we recording? Okay, well, hi, people. <laughs> <laughs> we are back for another episode of Cause for Joy. Um, gosh, so I, I wasn't able to listen to the last few episodes because with Exodus 90, I'm not really on electronics, but I've heard some good things about how the recordings have come out. People seem to be appreciative that we're back at it and doesn't sound like there was too many difficulties, right, with the technical issues. Well, I think people just enjoyed your uh, Batman impersonation. Batman, I don't. Was that Batman or was it? I was born oh, was, in the that dark. That was Bane. Yeah, that was Bane. Oh, just kidding. See, I don't even know. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> we should have like a different voice impression every episode. So <laughs> okay, so I kind of walked into that one. Um, okay, so this is going to sound kind of sad, but last night I was like folding laundry and kind of talking to myself in the voice of Marge Simpson. Um, I don't know if I can still do it. It's more of like that late night and it, it's more of like that gruff voice type of thing, but it's just kind of like, oh, I don't know, homie. <laughs> but that's that's not as good as it was last night, but... Um, yeah, I mean, that's the, the beauty of just living alone and nobody to judge you for talking to yourself. It's, uh, I know I'm, I'm being a great advertisement right now for a life of celibacy and, and priesthood. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sometimes I try to impersonate or impersonate. What is, it, what is the correct term? Impersonate, yeah, so. mimic so. voices, whatever. Anyways, uh, it never works out. I think I just sound really nasally and weird so <laughs> father kevin you would appreciate that we are drinking Lacroix in your honor in my honor why is, uh, so why is that my water honor? well is, well just because you're always buying the sparkling water ah uh, yes um but for the record this is not pink grapefruit uh, and it okay. wasn't sitting out in the car in the boiling sun yeah when it was actually raining yeah <laughs> or like a michigan winter where it's cloudy for like nine months of the year it's sunny right now until it just I was going to say it's sunny and how cold is it, Mary Kate? You were just out in the wind pumping yeah. gas. Like so it degrees. says that it's 13 degrees out. <clears throat> However, the with the wind chill, it was negative four. And I picked the slowest pump I could ever have picked. It was freezing. I tried to stay and wait for it to be done. And I'm like, nope, I'm getting back in the car. <laughs> I thought that was a heat wave, but you know. A heat wave. <laughs> anyways well look at us talking about the weather making small talk just a bunch of old people sitting here talking about the weather but no it's all good well uh emma i noticed on your screen that you are joined by a new slash familiar face a new old face i don't know how you would say it it's new to us and at the same time she's been on the podcast before so do you want to introduce who's sitting there with you for this episode? Sure, I'll introduce. So we have a good friend of ours, Madison Velez. Uh, she was on the first Advent. We had yeah. just kind of started up the podcast, and we did a four-part uh, series for Advent, and four-part, four-episode Advent series. So she was on one of those episodes. I don't remember which one. Were we talking about hope? Is that what we were talking yeah, about? I think so. Something. Yeah. So you could go clear back to our... Uh, beginning episodes and she's on and so then we're like well why don't we have her back on again so uh, she's got an interesting topic for us because we've never done this topic so I'll let her introduce the topic Ooh, okay. so and why you chose it 
Yeah, so like she said, my name is Madison Velez. Really excited to be here. It's been a little while, a little over a year at least. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to be back. And Emma was asking me to come on the podcast. I said, okay, sure. What are we What are we going to talk about? She said, well, we really haven't gotten that far yet. It's like, okay, I'll start thinking about it then. Um, it's like, well, we could talk about, I guess, why we're Catholic, kind of go back to basics and really why we're here, why, you know, the underlying reason of why you guys are doing this podcast in the first place is why why does any of this actually matter? Why do we care? <laughs> what is important about being Catholic? Uh, why be Catholic instead of anything else? There are so many things you could be. Why did we choose this? So I think, uh, Mary-Kate, why don't you throw some of your initial thoughts with this topic? Yeah, I think... Um for so many of us, I think the answer would just be, oh, well, I'm Catholic because my parents were Catholic, and so they raised me Catholic, and that's what I am. It's like something I encountered when uh, <clears throat> when I was planning my wedding was a lot of people will get married in the church because that's what that's what you do, and they might not actually be practicing their faith, but they're going to get married in the church because that's what their family wants and that's what you do. Um, it's the same thing with baptism. People will get their kids baptized because it's it's almost like a rite of passage and they don't quite understand, well, why are we Catholic? Um, and I guess that's some of my initial thoughts on, on this topic. What about you, Father? Yeah, no, I, I think that's right. It's... Um I think it was, was it Socrates that said, um, the unexamined life is not worth living. And so um, we don't want to be like judgmental about people who have never really thought about why it is that they are Catholic, but we want to kind of help people to take their faith to the next level. If you've never really wrestled with that question and you're not necessarily like owning your faith, then we're just proposing that you're, you're missing out on something. You're missing out on um, some of the, the goodness and the truth and the beauty that our faith affords. And so um, I, I think this this question is ultimately an invitation, uh, especially for those who are already Catholic, to um, delve deeper into their faith. But for those who um, perhaps are open, who are listening, who are open to considering the Catholic faith, um, I think when we get a chance to go around and maybe share a little bit of our own journeys about how it is that we got to this place of um, being more firmly rooted in our Catholic faith, um, it might be kind of a attractive uh, witness to um, consider maybe even becoming Catholic if, if you're listening and you're not Catholic. So, um, Madison, is that kind of what you had in mind? Did you want us to maybe share a little bit about um, more concretely kind of our witnesses of, or was, was there anything else that was kind of on your heart when you thought of this topic? No, I think that's a really great place to start, right? Because there are so many different, you know, ways in which we've probably all gotten to the point where we are now. Um, and it, I, I know at least for myself that I started out not knowing at all why I was Catholic. It was just that I was baptized Catholic. My, both of my parents were. I went to Catholic school up until my senior year of high school. So that was a really long time and a really long time to not know exactly why you're Catholic. <laughs> but um, I grew up largely uncatechized, but through my teenage years started to kind of become more interested in, okay, why do we believe the things that we believe? Do I actually believe those things? Because why would I want to be a part of a community that I don't think is actually reasonable or reliable? And so I started delving into those questions and I was absolutely floored by 
some of the incredible thinkers of the church, thinking of uh, St. Robert Bellarmine, especially um, St. Bonaventure. So th- there were a couple of those. I didn't understand <laughs> what they wrote at all, uh, but I was just incredible. It was just incredible reading about how the depth of our faith and how reasonable it is and how people actually took faith and reason really seriously. And I was under the impression that there was not a an interest in reason in the church, and that was just a false presumption on my part. I think... Um I would I would echo Madison what you said is that there was always it seemed like there was always an answer right that there was always an answer there was always a reason for what we did um, and most people have heard my story or at least know a, a gist of it that there was that point where I left the church and so definitely poorly uncatechized you know uh, and viewing confirmation as like that golden ticket to leave the church but then realized when I was coming back and I was always asking questions there was always some place that had the answer there was always a church father that had the answer or scripture itself had the answer right or the catechism had the answer to the point where i couldn't refute it anymore uh and then there was a depth right like you ask one question and you get you can rabbit trail down a hole to answer five or six other questions on the same topic right so i think that there's i can relate to that um you know you were seeking and then there's always an answer you know, misconceptions you start to realize kind of fade away. So at least, so I can echo that. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. And it was interesting. I was actually, it was just the timing issue of it um, that I grew, I was born in Saginaw, Michigan. And then we ended up moving to Wisconsin when I was a little bit older. And in Wisconsin, they would bat or would confirm um, like when you're in high school. And so we had moved away obviously before I was in high school. And then when I got back, all of my classmates were already confirmed. And so it was just, it wasn't really a priority to me to be confirmed, even though everyone else in the diocese already was at that age. And so I ended up not being confirmed until I was 17. And that was because it it just wasn't a priority up until then. It was one of those things that was like on like a long list of, you know, things my family's like, oh, we should probably do that. Like, that's probably the right thing to do. We don't really know why. Um, And so I was was actually at that time when I was starting to delve into these questions. And I was like, yeah, I should get confirmed. So I I got confirmed with a group of third graders. So (laughs) I still got like a sore thumb, but that was okay. (laughs) The pictures are really funny in hindsight. Um, So it was a little awkward, but that's okay. Um, and the graces of that were super profound, which I don't think I realized at the time, but in retrospect, I can tell. Um, and so unfortunately I didn't, I was still grappling with a lot of questions, a lot of more like Protestant minded questions, just playing devil's advocate, I guess. Uh, not that I grew up with that sentiment. In fact, I didn't even know the points of tension between Protestants and Catholics growing up just because I didn't know what Catholics actually believed in the first place. So I didn't pick a, a confirmation saint, unfortunately. I do regret that, but that's okay. Uh, because that was actually one of my, one of the things I was concerned about was not understanding the intercession of the saints and especially of Mary. So, uh, which is now some of my favorite things. So <laughs> it's kind of funny how it, it flips, you know. I always thought that things like the scapular, for example, was like super superstitious. And that was really unattractive to me. And now I don't it's like shocking if I were to take off my scapular like I haven't in years like I shower with everything like it never comes off so it's like it's funny how you just completely flip I do have to say that um I was I think around 
15 when I got confirmed and was also with a bunch of, you know, like second graders, third graders. So I know how you feel. <laughs> they were all also receiving their first Holy Communion and I'd already had mine. <laughs> so, it, it, well, in, in the diocese I grew up in, we were confirmed. Uh, I think it, it alternated years between your eighth and ninth grade year. So I just happened to be in the year where we were doing ninth grade. But just for those who uh, may be questioning, like, why were they getting confirmed with third graders? Uh, there's different times you can, the diocese can pick when um, people can get confirmed. And just the diocese that we're in uh, is with the restored order. And we're transitioning out of the restored order at this point uh, to 12, the ages 12 to 14 is what it will be. But when uh, the restored order, it is... Um, they receive confirmation when they receive First Holy Communion. So uh, second grade or age seven. So they receive confirmation at that age. So uh, that's why some people would be like, oh, yeah, I was confirmed with, you know, younger people. Uh, that would be why. Just so if you're confused, like, oh, that seems <laughs> odd. <laughs> so uh, each diocese can pick it differently. But I, I was I think I was a freshman in high school when I did it. But uh so you said something, you said you didn't pick a confirmation saint. Is there a saint, though, that you would find yourself, even though they're not your confirmation saint, one that uh, just still you've, you've kind of claimed as your own? You know, I've thought about this a lot. Like, if I could go back and know what I know now, who would I pick? And it's really hard to choose. I think I would have really struggled. Um, but I do, uh, I love St. Scholastica. St. Benedict's sister. I think she's is so incredible. Uh, gosh, there's so many. St. Margaret of Costello, super pro-life saint. So, I mean, obviously, come on. She's pretty cool. Uh, just incredible life, like heroism and just amazing. So, I don't know. I would really struggle. I think they would be honestly be stressful for me having to make that decision. Like, there's so many. <laughs> what about you two? What are your saints? confirmation saints uh mine is saint ephraim the syrian because he's a hermit why am i not surprised <laughs> i don't know if i shared the story on the podcast or not about why i chose that saint but it was literally because i wanted to be different from everybody else and so i saw this long list of saint names and i was like what's the most obscure name that i can find that nobody else is going to pick and then i was like saint ephraim the syrian and what did he do he was a hermit that wrote poetry. Sweet. I want that guy. So that was why I picked him. And then, like, once I was in seminary, I actually started reading some of his writings. I was like, oh, sweet. He, he actually is uh, – his writings are very beautiful. He was a um, – he was an Eastern uh, – I think he was a deacon. So he was kind of more famous in the East. Uh, but he wrote a lot of things that are helpful for bringing the East and the West together. And he wrote a lot on uh, the Blessed Mother Mary. So he's got some really – awesome writings, but I am not ashamed to admit that the reason I uh, picked him was for very vain reasons. So, so I chose St. Trez of Lisieux, typical Catholic girl, um, choosing St. Trez. Um, but uh, yeah, I was just attracted to the fact that she was young and she was able to just give her life fully to Christ. And she was fiery too, which is like she was stubborn she was fiery and that that's kind of how i am as well um and then of course i named my daughter mary trez 
And I kind of regret it a little bit because that stubbornness is shining through, definitely through Mary Trez. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> come on, St. Trez, <laughs> help me out here. That that may just be genetics. It might okay. be. It might be. <laughs> but there is power in names. Let me tell you what. Um, and then Jason, Jason picked Patrick because he was born on St. Patrick's feast day because at the time he, his family was kind of, it was, you know, kind of, you know, you go to church because that's what you do. Um, and then he went to seminary and and grew a lot, but, uh, yeah, no, he, he chose St. Patrick because he was born on St. Patrick's feast day. So he was like, Oh, there we go. And now he has grown to really absolutely love St. Patrick. And so. Now we have a son named Patrick. That works. So what we, we've talked about, so you shared why, you know, why you started to ask the questions, but, and then you know, we, I threw in the thing about the confirmation saints, but what truly is the thing that makes it a priority? Like your faith, what makes it a priority? I mean, yes, we can work with the intellectual knowledge. We know that a relationship with Jesus is important, but we each... I mean, we all live different lives, right? We all have different things we're involved in. Uh, how do we maintain this sense of priority, right? Even in the midst of our crazy, busy lives, because, I mean, you look out in the world today, uh, people are running all over the place, right? I mean, kids are at sports practice until almost 10 o'clock at night, right? We can, sometimes it's hard to even get people to come to mass on Sundays, but like, how do we maintain that sense of priority, um, and continue to grow in a relationship with the Lord, even in the midst of absolute chaos sometimes. Yeah, I think that's huge. And like you said about kind of, it was a bit of a, a journey in and of itself going from, okay, I'm convinced that Catholicism is, if not true, at least it's very reasonable. Okay. And I came from the perspective that it wasn't reasonable at all, uh, which was very misguided uh, but that was just the underlying assumption that I had and so then it over time kind of learning about it and there was actually a distinct moment which there are very few of those because it, this all happened so gradually that I actually became interested um, in what Catholicism actually is but there was a moment in one of my religion classes in high school which it was the teacher at the time wasn't super focused I'll say that he was really nice um uh, interesting man but he wasn't super focused and there was one time he had printed out like these massive packets about the five ways of saint thomas aquinas and we looked at it for maybe 10 minutes and then did something else who knows what and to be clear i didn't understand any of it but i loved it i loved that it challenged me and that it was so different from anything else that i had experienced in any of my religious education or formation before because i had never been challenged i had never been asked to to you know look outside of myself to think about you know something beyond i don't know the the realities around me that i can you know understand outside of just the day-to-day -day life and that was really attractive to me is like being challenged in, you know, being challenged in sports or academics is, you know, something I was used to. But being challenged in the way that I actually thought about God and the church and why, why do I go to Catholic school? Why are my parents paying this much money for me to go to the school when I could so easily go to a uh, public school or something? Um, why, why does any of this actually matter? And that was really cool to me is like, you're able to actually 
deepen your thinking. And, and that was really the, the beginning. And so you would think the next logical conclusion to me thinking, okay, Catholicism makes sense, it's reasonable, is that I would start actually applying this stuff to my life. Embarrassingly enough, apparently that wasn't an obvious conclusion for me. So that took a little bit longer. Um, <laughs> you know, you would think that would make sense. So it took some time for me to actually begin trying to live it. Um, and that was probably even harder, honestly, is trying to trying to change my lifestyle, trying to root out some some bad vices and trying to live a more virtuous life um but yeah and that that became really attractive to me and things really just started coming together once I started actually trying to be virtuous and kind of with that mindset of okay who what would so and so do in this situation you know reading about these like really heroic and like super stoic saints which was really the kind of my initial attraction to is like these hermits or like these people who would like like really extreme I was a very extreme child too so like I was <laughs> in middle school I was like really interested in stoicism and like these people who would like do these intense fasts and whatever like it was very random and most people would not if they knew me at the time they wouldn't have guessed that I was interested in that because I was like just like I don't know, a typical 12-year-old, but I was really fascinated by it of, like, living a life that is, you know, tough and challenging and, like, having grit. I just thought that was really cool. So I kind of came from that background. But anyways, I, I think that did help me a little bit <laughs> in terms of, like, I don't know, asceticism or something. But, um, yeah, it was it was a leap <laughs> turning to, like, actually practice the faith. Um but I would say that why I continue to practice it and why what keeps me practicing um, is really coming from that background of believing that it is reasonable and knowing that it's true. So if Catholicism is true, then it makes demands on my life. And that sounds like a really negative thing. I think as Americans, we're like really adverse to that of like you're making impositions on my time and the choices I want to make. Um, but it's actually for a greater freedom. Uh, so I think that's really, really what keeps me going is knowing it's true and it's for my good. Father Kevin, what about you? I mean, obviously you are a priest, so uh, you're in a bit of a different role than what we are, but you have a very unique role too. And, and priests can easily get burnt out just as much as uh, anyone else. So what makes, like, how do you continue to seek that, right? Continue to seek that virtue, even living the life of a priest. Well, I remain Catholic because it helps with the job security, um, helps with the income. You know, if I were to fall off the rails, that'd be a little awkward. So that's that's mostly what keeps me hanging on, to be honest. No, I'm just kidding. Um, it's really because you want to be a hermit. Right, you know? right, exactly. Um, yeah, I think, um, so maybe I could just share a little bit about how I got to the point where I became interested in like really being intentional and like owning my Catholic faith as opposed to um, just sort of rolling through the motions growing up being Catholic just because that's how mom and dad raised me. And it's really fascinating, Madison, to hear your story because there's actually I'm hearing a lot of overlap with um, your story and how it is that um, I kind of grew in my faith and some of the realizations I had as time went on. So um, I think some of the main highlights are like it was around 10th grade where I was starting to think that. Christianity was just sort of this made-up fairy tale that we tell kids in order to make sure that they're well-behaved. Um, and I didn't really see the faith as having any sort of uh, reasonable 
foundation to it. Um, but one of the things that helped change my mind on that was when I was going to youth group, which I had a really blessed experience in youth group. Uh, one day we had a um, one of the parents from the community came in and gave kind of a book report on the book Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And some of the things that he was sharing and that I later read in the book just helped me to get a better sense of, okay, I think that faith in God and like what it is that the Christians profess as being central to their beliefs is it's, it's credible, right? It's not merely this superstition or this blind faith. Like there's reasons to believe uh, some of the things that someone who believes in God would believe and then take that further is something that a Christian would believe. So I ended high school with this sense of, okay, I think that the Christian faith is reasonable and, um, and that there's something there that it, that it feels like it can offer me, and I, I want to explore this more. So I went off to college, and I was more open to this question at that point of, okay, so I'm, I'm kind of, I, I love Jesus, and there's a lot about this whole Christian uh, religion that's resonating with me, but why should I be Catholic when I could be any of the other Christian denominations? Especially since a, a lot of the other denominations, they didn't necessarily hold a lot of the maybe controversial hot button issues that we hold as Catholics. And it's like, I, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to go against the norm. And so it, it looked more comfortable to choose um, another religion. And uh, I, I think what I noticed though, as I was in, in that mindset of being open to other religions, and, and this is, I think, important for my own story, but I think it's really helpful to keep in mind for people who are out there who are um, you know, maybe thinking about the possibility of conversion is my mindset at that time was, what is it that I already believe as if I already have all the answers? What are my opinions and feelings? And then what church can I find that already matches what I like intuitively think about all these things or my preferences or opinions? And the shift that began to happen was that I began to be convinced that there's actually this thing called objective truth that exists outside of me that asks for me to conform myself to it, right? So instead of, I have these already made up thoughts about the way that the world works and I'm going to find a religion that suits that, it was more um, what is um, objective truth, objective reality? How, how is it that we can verify it? How is it that we can know it? And then I'm going to uh, be willing to... Um, kind of assent to that. That's, that's kind of like the more formal phrase, but like I'm willing to be all in. And so when I realized that um, what it is that the Catholic Church taught was um, ultimately what we believe Jesus gave as kind of this, what we call the deposit of faith, um, that it was the fullness of truth and that he established the Catholic Church um, to safeguard those teachings so that it would contain the fullness of truth and that... Um, and that the, the church that he established 2,000 years ago, with the early church, what it is that they believed and they practiced, that the church that's still doing all those things and believing all those things 2,000 years later is the Catholic church. And so that became for me that kind of hinge moment of, um, okay, like I, I believe that the church teaches the fullness of truth, what it is that Jesus has passed on to us. Um, so I'm, I'm willing to be all in then for the Catholic church, even if it maybe there are certain things that maybe go against maybe my gut reaction or 
things that I feel uncomfortable with, like I'm willing to let the church teach me and show me why it is that she teaches these things, not just what she teaches, but when I start to see the rationale of the the why behind it, um, it, it leads me to think about that quote from G.K. Chesterton where he said, um, there's a thousand reasons why I'm Catholic, but it all ultimately boils down to one because it's true, right? So I, I'm not Catholic because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside, and I'm not Catholic because my um, mom and dad just raised me in that, and so I'm just going to keep on that way. I, I'm ultimately Catholic because I believe that Jesus is the truth, that um, he left us his uh, all the teachings that are meant to help draw us into deeper union with him and to align our lives with uh, the truth, which is good for us, and that the fullness of that resides in the Catholic Church that he established. So um, so when in doubt, like I, I just kind of go back to that, but it's that's that's kind of like the overarching why am I Catholic? And then I think I can pause there because it's I'd have to rethink like why is it that even on the difficult days like I, I continue to remain? I mean, ultimately it comes down again to that sense of um, of of what is true versus necessarily what I may feel or not feel. Um, but I, I know that that was a, a big kind of turning point for me. Mary Kate, what about you? So I would say um, I agree with with Father that you know it, it's ultimately it's because it's true. But um, I, I mean, I was raised in a very good Catholic found like I had a great foundation. Um, my parents did a fantastic job of raising all of their six kids in the faith, um, and so I knew a lot about the church from a very young age. Um, and that was all due to my parents. Um, but I would say, um, I guess, to kind of give it a little bit of a backstory, I went to Franciscan University for my freshman year of college. And you're surrounded by Catholicism there. It's amazing. And then um, I didn't have the money to go back after that, so I just started going to a community college. And you go from being surrounded by Catholicism to definitely being in a worldly environment with um, my, uh, my school that I was going to and with the two jobs that I was working at. And so I got to the point where... It was kind of, I was just kind of going through the motions, I think, in a way. And I was going through a tough time in my life with, with everything that was going on. And, and I had a little bit of a rocky relationship with my parents. Um, and I was still living at home. And then I found this awesome group at SVSU um, and started going there um, to the group. And I remember um, we, we went to this... Uh, silent retreat it was the very first retreat i'd ever been on and um we could only bring our bibles and so i brought i brought my bible and we i participated in all the prayers and and whatnot that that the retreat had and at one point i remember praying god what do you want me to know because at this point the faith was very much just an intellectual thing for me um and I turned to Isaiah 43, 4, which is essentially um, 
for you are precious in my eyes and honored and I love you. I would give nations for you and peoples in exchange for your life. And that hit me really hard because of what I had been going through. And so I think for me, it wasn't just an intellectual thing. It was also that encounter with Christ. Um, I needed that, that heart conversion because I had the knowledge, but I, I, my heart wasn't in it for, for that period of time when I was just going through the motions. And I feel like that's when I really decided to choose the, the Catholic faith for myself. Like this is, this is me. This is what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Um, and now when there are times when the church frustrates me or, or whatnot, I, I go back to the words that are in scripture. To whom shall we go? For you have the words of everlasting life. You know, I, I stay for, for Jesus in, in the Eucharist. And I mean, the saints aren't that bad either. They're cool to learn about and they're cool to have a relationship with. So I would have to say that's probably, uh, that's probably why, why I'm Catholic. So, in, in Mary Kate, since you mentioned it, I want to touch on it just because we're in the midst of this Eucharistic revival, right? Um, and we've talked about just knowing the intellectual knowledge too, uh, but then the objective truth, as Father Kevin talked about, so that this seeking this truth, and we know that the objective truth is Jesus Himself, right? And uh, particularly in the Eucharist. And so, Madison, I'm, I'm curious, like, did you ever? Did you ever waver on your belief of Jesus being truly present in the Eucharist? Or if you did, like, when was that moment that you really, uh, you were like, this is him, right? And this is like, this is him, right? Yeah, no, that's a really, really huge question, right, for us Catholics. And unfortunately, it goes a little bit further than like a wavering belief or understanding is that I didn't even really understand where Catholics stood on that really because it was something that was just not talked about um, ever which is really sad it wasn't until I was in high school when I started asking those questions and and I specifically remember being in high school and we were having a test on the sacraments or something like that and this is a test that I have in like a box of like keepsakes or whatever and I'm gonna keep it forever but (laughs) I was always that one student who would take the whole period to take a test because I'd need to check over it multiple times, like super perfectionistic. And my classmates hated it because everyone had to like be quiet, even though I was the only one taking the test. So sorry, everyone. But (laughs) um, anyways, so there was this one question and it was, I wish I could remember the wording of it, but it was basically to the effect of what does the church teach? Like what, what is the real presence? What does that actually mean? And it was a multiple choice question. And I was like, like, at this point, it really sounds like people are saying this. Like, it sounds like people are saying that it's literal, but that's like, sounds pretty crazy. So that can't be it. And like, I'm going to be really embarrassed if I get that wrong. And my teacher is like, what are you like? So I picked the answer that I was like, I think this is wrong. So I willingly got a point off on a test. And that was a big deal for me at the time is like, I'm just going to take a loss on this one but anyways I just thought that was kind of funny because at the time I was like that'd be really embarrassing if I'm wrong because that's a really it is and I think we don't we take that for granted as Catholics that's a really extreme statement like that is like that is a really extreme thing to say like that that the Eucharist is the literal body blood soul and divinity of Jesus Christ and I think we take that because that's language we hear all the time and we don't realize that the implications of that are crazy so 
And I think coming from that point, I was very excited to get that test back and see <laughs> where, where does the church at? Because I was too embarrassed to ask because I was like, I've been going to Catholic school for 10, 11 years at this point. I should probably know that. But I haven't been paying attention. Religion class was the class that you do homework for other classes in. Like that's when I would study for chemistry and stuff like that. So, which is really sad, but that's just kind of how it was, I guess. Anyways, so it was a bit of a transition from kind of, and it's really cool, the themes in all of our stories there is like there's different motivations kind of at each stage of our journey and kind of how the Lord purifies our desires and and kind of our motives and reasons. In the beginning, it sounds like for a lot of us, it was just like a purely cultural, social reason. Not necessarily a bad reason, but it could definitely be better, right? Like wanting that that sense of community or just this is what I grew up in. It's not a bad reason, but it could always be better. Um, and then it kind of moves into more of like an intellectual sense of like, okay, I understand that the church makes sense. It makes sense that Jesus would establish this church to, to safeguard those teachings. And then it eventually it it turns into for love of Christ. And that can be a journey in and of itself. Um, but it, it is just so cool to see how, how he purifies our desires and our motives um, into a, yeah, I guess just for the sake of, of love of God, which is really cool. That is really awesome. That's a beautiful way of bringing it all together. I, I really like that, um, how it, there's different, uh, for all of us with our either conversion or like ongoing conversion, the different things that um, strike us at, at various stages of our life and how it's different things for different people, maybe at different times. And I, I think one of the other ways that it's maybe commonly talked about is this idea of um, truth, beauty, and goodness, right? So God himself is truth, goodness, and beauty. Um, and those are hence three ways in which uh, many people are then uh, drawn to God. Um, and so like for me, for, me uh, for instance, I mean, I can find all three of those in my journey, but I think um, truth was a big way in which I was led to um, try to pursue uh, the faith in a deeper way, pursue God in a deeper way. And then um, goodness and, and beauty were a part of that. But I, I think truth was one of the initial hooks. Um, and then Madison, you know, you talked a lot about um, how truth was a pivotal thing for you, as well as um, in the midst of this conversion, you were kind of led um, towards that piece of goodness. You wanted to live this more virtuous life. You wanted to root out these various vices and um, pursue a life of goodness. And so maybe, um, maybe one of the last questions here is just, um, what is it that you find um, beautiful about the faith? Do you, do you remember a specific memory of like being struck by the beauty of the church? Or is there a way in which now you, you look at either the teachings of the church or, you know, the liturgy, whatever the case may be, like, how is it that you find beauty in the faith? Oh gosh, that's a another big question, right? I think there are so many different ways in which we can see see that beauty coming from the truth that the church provides. I would say the biggest thing probably, which t- took a lot of time, like it was a very gradual process, would be the reality of the sacraments of, okay, I can know that it makes sense that, yes, Christ did establish this church. He established these sacraments. He's ordained this order for us. 
um, to act to reach him and I think just even still like it's ever it just blows my mind still and I hope I never lose that because it is so incredible to think about you know you you go to mass on Sunday throughout the week whatever and it is really easy for us to as Catholics take for granted how incredible that is that our our God chose to become so small so easily ignored so like unrecognizable to the human eye um, and he did that for love of us. And so just how readily available he makes himself to us that he's not some sort of like distant God, like the pagans or something like that. Like, um, that he actually wants to be a part of your life, like every part of your life. And that was really incredible to me of just, it, that took a really long time for me to realize. And, and well, a part of that is because, oops, sorry, a lot of that develops through prayer and prayer is a really hard thing for me at first. Like that was a really hard process of like well I, I guess I should probably start doing that I don't really know how to do that so it's just like a lot of trial and error and it's not easy I think more people need to say that prayers can be really hard um, but that's a part of the beauty of it is that any relationship takes work and you need to you, you need to make yourself available to the Lord just in any way that you would with any other relationship you need to give that time and like dedicated time not just like while you're on your way to work or something like that of like and that can be hard but but it's so worth it so I think yeah just the beauty of recognizing and the peace that comes with even though you know I may like Mary Kay said have frustrations with the church even though you know I don't have these warm and fuzzies like father said you know whatever I can trust that what Christ said is true and that the sacraments are efficacious and that my soul is converted more deeply every time I receive one of the sacraments. And I think that is one of the most beautiful things. And that's what keeps me going. Yeah, I recently heard someone, and I, I've always believed this in the back of my mind, but they put it in words that then I was like, Oh yeah, that's exactly what it is. But when we talk about whether it's, you know, prayer is hard or, the church frustrates well the people in the church right can frustrate us or things can frustrate us and make it hard to, to remain you know we can look and see corruption uh but and i forget where i read it uh, but it's 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 a reminder that we believe the church we believe the church not in the church we believe in jesus christ and we believe the church we believe what the church teaches we believe what the church hands down because christ is the head uh, and, and when we embody that and we remember that our faith is not in the church, in the humanity of the church, but we believe the church. We believe in Jesus Christ, right? Um, so it, it, that, that helped me to then enter in deeply. Uh, I mean, it's a continual conversion, but to allow prayer to continue to drive me in the sacraments, even when there are frustrations. Along that same line, something that my parents... Um have often said and, and told me is that you know the church herself is perfect but the people in the church are not so you can't expect them to be um and you have to have patience um with that even when you don't want to um and so i i find that helps as well i think just to, to kind of wrap up maybe i know father you said last question but i have um just another thing uh what are some like so we've each of us 
have struggled, right? And we've all had to do some research, right? And we've had to seek answers. So I thought maybe it'd be good to kind of end by sharing what are some of the best resources that you've found in your journey uh, that, um, that help to not only understand the teachings of the church and the objective truth that we're talking about, the goodness, truth, and beauty, uh, and, and really, I mean, we, uh, staples, scripture, catechism, you know, things like that. Uh, but what are some other resources that can help individuals really just dive in, maybe find answers to their questions, but then also grow that relationship with the Lord uh, in the beauty, truth, and goodness of our Catholic faith? Yeah, that's a great question. A lot of the resources that I was able to utilize and still utilize to this day when I have questions um, are kind of hidden, but they're out there and there are some really incredible ones. So the, the first one that came to my mind immediately when you said that was Catholic Answers. I love Catholic Answers. There are some incredible, incredible people on there. I've called them multiple times, gotten one free book. So that was kind of cool. So little bonus. Um, <laughs> so that's really the one that sticks out the most to me. But it really, it, once you start looking, you're going to find more and more, um, so many podcasts, so many podcasts, um, a lot of good books. I love, uh, I think St. Pope John Paul II is great. Um, so many good books by him. Um, I was really, another thing that was like really incredible to me was the theology of the body and like why we, for example, like why we, um, don't believe in the use of contraception. That was a sticking point for me being so heavily involved in pro-life work. I was like, okay, this seems like a reasonable solution that could help you know with this problem and I didn't really understand why and so it was through reading some of that multiple times so I can understand it Um, but it was so beautiful and it was so freeing and I think that that's really you know the places where it seems like the church is trying to restrict our freedom it's actually expanding our freedom and our capacity to love which is really incredible Uh, so yeah I would say the saints obviously of books um so many books <laughs> so many cardinal ratzinger excellent has an incredible book on um it's like a it's called in the beginning and i i'm a very slow reader but i read this in like two or three days which is like a record for me because i feel the need to like reread everything and like annotate so it takes me so long um <laughs> but it is incredible book it goes through like genesis and also talks about faith and reason and it was just, it was beautiful. So, um, yeah, I would start delving into looking up specific saints, learning about their lives. I think that's really huge. Uh, having those role models and then developing a relationship with them as your intercessors is huge, too. Do either of you have any resources that you'd like to, Father? Yeah, again, just thinking back on my own journey, um, for someone who's maybe still like either questioning or intrigued by just like the the basic Christian beliefs in general. Again, I think Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis is an excellent resource. There's also a book I read recently, um, Father John Ricardo wrote it, it's called Rescued. And he basically walks through all the way from like what it is that we believe about creation and how it is that like science tells us how creation comes about, but our faith reveals why all the way to like what we believe about um, the afterlife. He, he kind of walks through just the basics of salvation history and, and really, uh, I guess, just gives a, a basic overview of 
the main kind of Christian beliefs. So th- those are good just for like Christianity in general. And then for um, the Catholic faith specifically, I know I, I got a book when I was in college and I was really starting to um, learn a lot about the, the Catholic faith and teachings and whatnot. And there was this book that was called the Essential Catholic Survival Guide, which was put out by Catholic Answers, um, because that was, again, I was going to say that that was a resource um, that I utilize quite a bit. You go online, I think it's catholic.com, um, and you can just type in a question and you're going to find an article on pretty much any uh, topic, any question that has to do with the faith. So that's, that's like a good question or a book to have on hand for most questions that have to do with the Catholic faith. So that's more if you're in kind of that um, place of I'm, I'm still seeking, I'm still wondering whether or not I'm going to commit wholeheartedly to really growing in the Catholic faith. Um, those are some resources. And then beyond that, if you're already kind of like, I'm all in and I want to learn more, then there's there's a ton. But I would say if you're at that kind of um, hinge moment, that those are some good resources to have on hand. Um, some that I really enjoy are um, Real Life Catholic with Christophonic. Um, Ascension, you know, you always hear those videos. Ascension Presents with Father Mike Schmitz, which was my next one, Father Mike Schmitz. <laughs> um, he's doing a Bible in a year and catechism in a year. Um, the Augustine Institute, a bunch of stuff is on Formed. Like, Formed, honestly, has a wealth of stuff that you can go through and just really pick apart Um for a resource so i would i would say yeah formed is a great option and formed is like the catholic netflix essentially so it's formed.org and accounts are free and you just find a a, you know your parish if they have a subscription and sign up um, for free so it's highly recommended and it has books on Um, it too though it does yes yes and some of them they have very dramatic readers and some of them (laughs) I think I accidentally clicked on one that was very, very dramatic, and it's like, I can't do this. <laughs> We're done. Um, I want to share, I mean, you guys are not going to be surprised by this at all. Uh, for me, one of the good resources are just, it, it's the liturgy. Um, and reading, whether it's ritual books or the Roman Missal or things like that, helped me answer some of my questions Uh finding it like where is it at in the sacramental life of the church so which i know is probably not a surprise to anyone so anyways well did anybody have any other thoughts things to ask questions i mean we probably could continue this conversation three times over but anyways we'll move on to one joyce so we're not going to make our guests go first so i'm making one of you two Go first. You can fight it out. Okay, Mary Kate. All right, so my one joy is based on the fact that Madison is actually here today recording with us. Um, So, but (laughs) in May, there is going to be a mother's conference in Saginaw at the Horizon Center, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. um, I am looking forward to that. And so Madison has been the one who's kind of been putting this whole thing together and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So uh, that is my one joy is that conference that's going to be coming up. Sweet. An anticipatory one joy. Um, I would say that mine was um, just my rock solid parishioners here at Holy Name of Mary Parish. Shout out to them. Um, Earlier this week, I had a violent stomach bug. It was brutal. I was just out for three days. It was very bad. And um, when people caught word of it, I was getting 
porch drop-offs of chicken noodle soup and Verner's, people just going out of their way to care for their priests. So um, I just have some really beautiful people here. I'm very grateful for them. So shout out to all you lovely parishioners. All two of you who listen. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very sorry that you had such a violent stomach bug. Um, I mean, if I would have known, I might have driven out, driven, driven out to Harbor Beach, but to bring chicken noodle soup. But you know, oh, well, here we are. Next time. Do you want to go, or do you want me to go? Sure. Okay. So Mary Kate stole my joy, but that's okay. <laughs> no, I. It has been so exciting. I've had the idea for wanting to do a more formal kind of benefit fundraising dinner for a while, and we now have the funds to do that for the Hopeful Future Scholarship, which is a fund for pregnant and or parenting women at either uh, Saginaw Valley or Delta Community College. And so we're just going to spend the evening thanking our donors, listening to a couple of speakers, and Mary-Kate has agreed to do it, which I was so excited about because we wanted the perspective of a mother and kind of the hope and the beauty of in motherhood, um, but also the struggles because I think that they're pretty intertwined actually um and then also life clinic director Lori drake so hear a little bit about what it's actually like to provide for these women in need and how we as a community can better serve these women um so i'm really excited about that and things have really started coming together this week i was a little stressed before this week so i'm feeling a little bit better about it so it's just like nice to have a little bit of a a breather <laughs> that we have a bit more of a plan so really excited about that and I'm going to continue to plug the Hopeful uh, Future Scholarship. And you can, if you feel called to donate to it, uh, to support it, right? They can do so at the CCFF or CCFMM uh, website, Catholic Community Foundation of, of Mid-Michigan. Mid <sighs> okay. Okay. Um, but highly recommend and encourage supporting the scholarship or pointing somebody that you may know that might be in need, uh, pointing them to that as well. Uh, okay, my one joy. Father Kevin already called this out earlier in the week. Uh, so Tuesday evening, I, okay, again, love liturgy, love anything liturgy, love incense. And so I made, I, I forgot that I did this uh, at the other parish that I work at. I made the comment to our OCIA candidates or and people that have just joined the group that I really love incense and I want to get like a little tabletop thurible um, that I could put in my apartment. Well, uh, on Tuesday night, uh, somebody walked in and they said, what did you get for Christmas? And I said, I mean, I like books and some other things. And she's like, so you, so you didn't get any incense or anything? Like nobody gave you incense? And I said, no. She's like, okay, I have a box for you in my car. And she, so afterwards, she brings this box and it's a little tabletop thurible with a ton of charcoal and a ton of incense. And then um, Father Andy blessed it. So I have blessed incense. I have so much of it and I'm in love with it. It's so great. Uh, and it's brought me a lot of joy. And um, yeah, so as little as that is, it just, oh, it made me so happy. I was so happy. Part of me wants to like, make fun of you for that and the other part is like dang it i want some <laughs> well when we make a trip out to harbor beach you know i can yeah you know Ooh, most i could bring mine too like, most people for a housewarming gift give someone like a bottle of wine and 
Nope, give your priest some incense. Welcome, Father. <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to use, uh, there's three bigger containers of incense of three different scents, and then a box of, like, samplers. So I haven't opened, like, the sampler. I mean, there's probably ten in there. Uh, so I've got a lot of incense to last me a long time, but... Uh, it brings me a lot of joy. I say that Emma brings out her incense, I bring out my incense, and we just smoke up Father's place. I'll, st- I'll turn off the smoke alarms. <laughs> that works. All right, friends. Well, Madison, thank you so much for joining us. This mm-hmm. was great. Thank you. This was absolutely a joy. So uh, with that, Father Kevin, would you uh, like to end us in sure. prayer? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, we want to thank you for uh, just this conversation today. Thank you for the chance to be able to look back and notice all the ways you've been at work in our lives over the years. We thank you especially for all those people who helped to guide us to where we are at today. Our parents, godparents, catechists, teachers, the friends you placed in our lives who inspired us by their witness the communities that you brought us into. Thank you, Lord, for all these various ways in which you show us that you so long to draw us near to you, that you'll do whatever it takes, you'll put whatever it is in our life that will help us on that journey. So, Lord, we thank you for the gift of our faith. Please continue to bless um, Madison and especially her efforts to bring hope and healing to mothers in our area Bless that uh, conference and uh, help us all in our efforts of evangelization to share the joy and the beauty of our faith with others. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Well, thanks, Father. It's good to see all of you. Yep. Glad that you could join us, Madison. (laughs) All right. So until next time. Bye. God bless. Peace out.